From a jail cell, and who thinking elementary? Hey, I see the penitentiary one day. Running from the police, that's right. Mama catch me, put a whoop into my backside. And even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed. Single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it. There's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. Monday, everyone. This is your girl, Vanessa. This is a live broadcast, a live walk and talk. You hear the wind in my ear. We have thousands of people who on a daily basis walk with us live at 12 noon Eastern time. And we have millions more who go online to download a podcast. And y'all need to know this. The podcast, this walking podcast is hosted by myself and my partner, Morgan Dixon. If you do not know us, know that we are the founders, not just of this podcast movement, but of Girl Trek, which is a movement of a million Black women taken to the streets of their neighborhood. And in true Girl Trek form, I don't know where Morgan is, y'all, but know this, she is coming, but in the spirit of all the women who have come on this call to have a live walk, in the spirit of you saving your own life today and needing these 30 minutes, in the spirit of us making it happen, we are going to continue today's conversation. Producer Ebony is going to agree to join live on this call so that we can honor Queen Mother Afini Shakur while Morgan is getting herself to this walk. But if you know anything about Girl Trek, we have something called a Trek code. And y'all, the Trek code, if you know it, tweet it out right now, Instagram and put it on Facebook. We say if it's a seven minute rule. And so it's 11 minutes. We are going to get this live walk started. Ebony, are we ready to go? Yes, ma'am, we are. Good morning, Vanessa. All right. You got to introduce yourself. You got to let people know where you at. You got to give us some info before we get into this, Athene. Hey, everybody out in Girl Trek Nation, out in the podcast universe. I am Ebony. I am with the Girl Trek national team. I be behind the scenes, your producer for all things virtual. And I hit the streets in the DMV area, uh, more specifically in Maryland. Ebony, first of all, I'm dressed in costume for today's walk. I actually have on a white dress because when I was learning about Afini Shakur, and preparing for today's conversation, Ebony, I was watching the sun rise over the Savannah River, and I was thinking about all of the enslaved people who came here on this port. And I was thinking about Athene Shakur and how she literally birthed Tupac into this world so that he can give us all of the wisdom that he has given us. And I was like, I want to honor her. 
And we do something called the, in New Orleans, I've done in the last couple of years called the Myafra Walk, where we join in the square there and we all wear white and it's a a walk to honor our ancestors and we walk down to the water. So I'm wearing white today and here on the river so that I can honor Afini Shakur and everything that she's done for us in this community. And mainly Ebony for her sacrifice around her personal story and what she did. And I have some questions for you, so don't worry. You don't have to have known anything about Afini Shakur. My guess is that most people on this call only actually know her as the mother of Tupac. It is why I really lobbied and fought for her to be a part of this series because she, for me, as an 18-year-old girl fresh arrived on the campus of UCLA, was the first woman who I really identified with as a revolutionary who I could get behind. So I was one of those radical Black girls on the campus who was a part of the Free Matula campaign. And it was a Feeney story that really kind of inspired me to get into this work. So I'm so glad that we can break it down today. But Ebony, did you know this? First of all, Dear Mama is in the Library of Congress, the National Recording Registry. It was released one year before the murder of Tupac. And the one thing I remember most about when Dear Mama came out is that most people were saying, why did Tupac put all his mama's business in the streets like that? Why did he put all his mama's business in the streets like that? Is How do you feel about the lyrics? How do you feel about the story that he told of his mother? I love Dear Mama. I love the transparency of Tupac and the wisdom of Tupac, but I love Dear Mama and the story it tells of their relationship. It's it's really, it's a really special song. And I don't think it's a bad thing to share our story or as we put it, put our business in the streets. I think we kind of covet our stories too much when there's something to be shared. Yeah, I actually grew up in a household where definitely putting our business in the street was exactly kind of do not do that. And the the level of sickness and disease that that creates where you can't identify your own emotions, where you can't identify your language. It's epidemic now when we're talking about Black women who are trying to heal. She actually said about the lyrics, someone, David D, this hip-hop writer who I love out of Oakland, he had asked her about this, and she said that you have a right, each one of us, to express our feelings. And she said, I don't have to agree with the feelings, but I needed him to say how he felt. And specifically, I needed him to talk about the pain. And she said, I needed him to talk about the pain that I specifically caused him. So that was actually her reflection on it, which I actually really loved and which I think was a powerful example of how she actually mothered even during her struggles. But let's break down her story. Let's break down a little bit of who she is as a person, Ebony, just so that people actually know. Athene, first of all, was a Capricorn. And if you know anything about Capricorns, I'm an earth sign Virgo, Morgan is a Capricorn. There are certain people who are just destined to be great. And shout out to the Capricorns of the world. Athene was one of them. So Athene Ebony was born Alice Faye Williams. She was born in Lumberton, North Carolina. She is the daughter of Rosabelle and she is the daughter of Walter Williams. And she had one sister and her name was Gloria. And she actually grew up in a household where she said there was a lot of abuse and the abuse was coming from her father. And so in 1958, Athene was 11 years old at the time. They moved from Lumberton, North Carolina to the Bronx. And if you could imagine, Ebony, a young black girl at 11 years old, she's been in, I have never been to Lumberton, North Carolina, but it's not the Bronx. She had been in Lumberton, North Carolina. She had been in this abusive household and situation. And then she arrived at the Bronx at 11 years old. It was alarming for her and disarming. And she struggled as a little girl to fit in there. 
her teachers, however, in her community, they actually noticed artistic talents in her. And her teachers recommended that she actually go to a high school for the performing arts, but she decided to go to the Bronx High School of Sciences. There, she was not unlike many of the Black girls who we were talking about in the episode on the Kambahai River, and we were talking about educators, and we were talking about Sister Soldier. She was a young Black girl who was different. Wait, what's happening? Is it Morgan? We left you. I ain't lying. I left you. Girls trust code. Seven minute rule. I don't. I left. I no, the, the track code is leave no sister behind is the track code. Leave no sister behind is the track code. I don't and the seven-minute rule. Uh, <laughs> he was right. He was right. I didn't uh, realize the daylight savings in America. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. It's okay. Ebony, stay in Bye the walk because you're in the walk. And Morgan, join the walk. This is exactly real time how it happens. Sometimes you get to the park and the crew is way up there. And you like, can I make it? Can I hustle? And catch them. <laughs> and you catch up. And we're going to get right in the middle of this walk. Morgan, you, you actually know, came in. in a a Shout out to Black I Future. am. No, I, I've been on for a minute. You did hear that Afeni was a Capricorn then? Yes. I had a whole revelation about it. So what? Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce is like you. It's a Virgo. So I was mm-hmm. like, who else is a Capricorn that's like a singing artist? It's, of course, Mary J. Blige. It makes perfect sense, Vanessa. That's <laughs> why <laughs> Mary J. Blige, you're Beyonce. And then I was it like, okay, look, look at, like, entertainers. So for me, Capricorn, okay, I'm going to be quiet in a second, but Capricorn is, um, what's his name? The boxer. Muhammad Ali. That's me. Okay. You're Dave Chappelle. And a Virgo is Dave Chappelle. I was getting ready to say a Virgo is Dave Chappelle. Everybody, yes, yes, I'm saying everybody ain't for everybody, but I'm saying together, most people like either one of us. <laughs> Mary J ain't for everybody. Beyonce ain't for everybody, but together. <laughs> but together. All right, oh, I love that. Keep I love that. Love no, no, no. I'm actually, you didn't interrupt. You didn't interrupt. But I actually, I'm going to recenter this whole conversation around actually you and I and how we met before I jump into this next part about Athene at Bronx High School, because I want to honor oh, her story. Nice. And also it's why I was excited to talk about her. Y'all, Girl Trek exists because when I met Morgan in L.A. in 1997 or 1998, she was carrying a bullhorn around. And she was carrying the bullhorn at our after at our job in Beverly Hills at an investment bank where we both were working as college students. And you were literally the most radical black girl I'd ever seen. And I was like, I got to get on board with that radical blackness. And your radical blackness is the radical blackness of Afini Shakur and Matula Shakur and Geronimo. It was an unapologetic That's blackness. literally the nicest thing you've said to me ever in my whole life. That's the nicest thing you've ever said. Thank you. You're welcome. So when I think about Afini Shakur and when I think about right now in the first neighborhood I moved to in L.A. on the corner of Crenshaw and Slauson, shout out to my Aunt Deborah who took me in on 60th and Crenshaw. Right now, they are getting ready to remove the only grocery store in the neighborhood because what? the Kroger Corporation, the Ralph that sits there in the corner of Slauson and Crenshaw is getting ready to be removed because the Kroger Corporation doesn't want to pay the $5 hero tax to its people. And when we're talking about a community that's already in a food desert, 
on the ground right now on Crenshaw and Slauson is a whole community of activists who are fighting to bring in a black grocer, who are fighting to say, what are our options now? Those are the Athene Shakurs also who we want to honor in today's conversation. So I'm actually glad you got on What can this we do Morgan to support that? Do you, you know, know what? Is there like an initiative or something? There's one Instagram page that I know for sure, which is Make Crenshaw Great Again. And literally, (laughs) (laughs) and this is on the spot because there's a lot of answers I'm sure I have, but the main answer is follow the person who knows the answers and it ain't me. The person who I know knows the answers is Make Crenshaw Great Again on Instagram. They originally shared the information and I literally was like, wow, I woke up with the sun this morning doing a Fini Shakur when I had planned to do someone else. And then I read that about those activists. And then I thought about you in the bullhorn. And I was like, this is the movement that is for the Black women who come back from crack cocaine addiction to raise yes, babies yes, who yes. are prolific. This is the girl yes. is that movement. And Athene was that queen mother. So can I tell you a story? Yeah. I'll be quick. A story about that bullhorn. I don't know if I told you this, but I certainly forgot it when we were interviewing Angela Davis is that that bullhorn came from the legal aid that was down the street from USC. And when I was a political advisor, you know how you have to get an internship. I was like, I'm going to go work at the Coalition Against Police Brutality. And they were like, well, that's not a certified internship for USC. And I was like, well, certify it. Stamp, right? Like, certify it. I went down there, and the Coalition Against against Police Abuse, it was called COPPA, was run by um, a former Black Panther whose eye was bashed by the police named um, Michael Zinzan, rest in peace, Michael Zinzan. And he was my boss. And also legal aid was there and the gang truth headquarters was there. So they weren't even wired up on their computers, really. They had like one computer for the whole office. And I was the USC student that was supposed to get them all computers. And I was like, yeah, but I have a protest. Can I use this bullhorn? They was like, baby girl, sister girl. That's Angela Davis's bullhorn. You got to bring that bullhorn. You got to bring that bullhorn back when you get finished. So every time you saw me at no day with that bullhorn, a legend says that was Angela Davis's bullhorn. It had all that duct tape on it and stuff. And I certainly brought it back and I treasured it. So it's amazing. I meant to ask when we were co- when we, I was going to say conversating because this is the kind of day it is. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody all day. I took it day when we was conversating with Angela Davis, you can check it out on YouTube. <laughs> So ignorant. But I was going to ask her if it was when it's numbered Michael Zinzon. So anyway, yeah, it's been a beautiful life, Vanessa. And I feel like we are literally the daughters. Having met in in South Central LA, that we are literally the daughters of these women who were great activists. So I'm honored to hear and learn more about the story. Yeah. Athene's story actually starts in a place that hardly any of the stories we talk about start with. By 15 years old, she was using drugs. She was already disenchanted when disengaged with the school system and had dropped out of the Bronx High School of Science. She actually became so interested in street life. She called herself a street fighter and became a member of, this is a, I don't advocate for gangs, but this is a good name. But she became a member of the Disciple Debs in Harlem, which was a gang. And she was a young black girl on the streets, now in Harlem, a street fighter herself trying to figure herself out. Until 1964, Morgan, when she met a co-worker of Malcolm X, who was recruiting youth in the Bronx for this new emerging movement called the Black Panther Movement. And she, in 1964, joined that movement and she credits that movement for centering her in her African history, for pulling her away from the street life that she said was going to be moving her to death certainly death. 
and for giving her an entirely new purpose. By the age of 21, after meeting Malcolm X's coworker who recruited her to the Black Panther movement, she did to the Black Panther Party, which is a movement. She did something that we have talked about several women doing. At this time, keep in mind, she was Alice Faye Williams. She was a young Black girl from the Bronx running with the Disciple Debs in Harlem. She came across a coworker of Malcolm X who recruited her to the Black Panther Party. And then at 21 years old, she rebirthed herself and changed her name to Afeni Shakur. Afeni, which in Yoruba is the word for lover of people, and Shakur, which in Arabic means thankful. So this young 21-year-old Black girl, Morgan, had an opportunity to name herself, and she named herself lover of people thankful. And, and she said that thankfulness was a thankfulness for her to be able to reconnect with a new identity of who she was. Her name was so prophetic. I mean, yes. listen, the consciousness of urban Black motherhood came out from Tupac. So for her to be the mother of nations, do you understand what I mean? How prophetic that yeah. is? The same year that she changed her name to Afeni Shakur, she married fellow Black Panther Party member Lamumba Abdul Shakur. And it's important to note that was not Tupac's father, because this is new information to me. She was married two times, and we'll get into that, but I always thought that that was Tupac's father. It was not Tupac's father, although he also had the Shakur name that he had adopted, which meant thankful. Now, Morgan, she's in the Black Panther Party movement now. She's 21 years old. She's come from the street life. And y'all, this is where we all have a divine calling over our name. And you don't know when your skills are going to be called to bear. But she had specific skills that the Black Panther Party needed and they didn't know. But she became a prolific writer, Morgan, for the Panther Post newspaper. And hear me out. She actually used placed articles in the Black Panther Party newspaper that were actually meant to throw off the FBI, who they knew were tracking them and hunting them and actually trying to destroy their legitimate organizing efforts. And so her part of her job was not just to write for the Panther Post, but write articles that were covered and that were throwing off the FBI. So she was a key member of the Black Panther Party there in New York City, and she had a key job. So when you actually say she's prolific, she was a writer herself, and she was actually writing on behalf of the movement to keep the FBI off the tail of the Black Panther Party. Shout out to Jewel Bush our chief of external yes. affairs. <laughs> <laughs> and all the black journalists oh, of the world. We'll be writing them, we'll be writing them positive yes. press. No, we'll be writing them positive press spins about the girl movement, which is the largest right. force in America for black liberation. I appreciate you, Jewel. Yeah. Jewel yes. is the I appreciate you. Yeah. Yes. And not just her, Morgan, but honestly, I will say there is a movement of really courageous Black writers right now who yeah. are really pushing against yeah. like some stuff in the Biden administration, a bunch of stuff, and they're just being really courageous. So she was a writer. She was skilled, Morgan. She was keeping the FBI off their tail. She became a section leader for the Harlem chapter, and it was her job to mentor new members. She actually mentored some really prolific Black Panther Party organizers, including Jamal Joseph, Cleo Silvers. And then she worked closely alongside well-known Black Panther Party member Geronimo Pratt, who became Tupac's godfather. So, and if you if you do not know 
there is a whole episode we can do. And we did some of this already on the political prisoners in this country and the movement to get them freed and the work that they were doing. Even And I think that this work that we're doing right now, Morgan, reframing their story and a little bit of truth, I hope, is a part of this movement that honors their work during that time. Because what was happening with the FBI and I haven't even seen the Fred Hampton movie, but what was happening with the FBI and how they have intentionally and strategically worked to dismantle movements that were fighting on behalf of our economic liberation, fighting for health care, fighting for education, fighting for our basis. And this country, this exact country, were the people who were fighting against these organizers. And one of the ways they were fighting against them, and we're going to get into this in a second, is through pushing drugs into our community. And so even when we talk about Afini Shakur as a prolific writer for the Black Panther Party, I was like, it is not by accident, even if she doesn't realize it, that she then became addicted to drugs and has this drug addiction. That was, this is, this is, this is her being targeted. Did you see that documentary on Netflix called Crack? I didn't see it yet. No, because we just talked about this. I cannot watch real life movies about my life, like air documentaries like that. But I have, so I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I heard really good things about it. I think I'm going to watch it because I actually need more details about what you're talking about, about, I understand COINTELPRO thoroughly, like the counterintelligence program. And I did see the Fred Hampton movie. Shout out to all black filmmakers. Shout out to black filmmakers. But I did see the um, the Fred Hampton movie. And I still don't really understand tactically how it was done. The drug like... uh, Well, let me actually break it down. Let me break down one real way that it was done to Afini Shakur. This is not related to drugs, but it's related to another thing that happened that is a major part of her story. And this actually, I think, well, we can then really get into the conversation. So Afini Shakur Morgan eventually became a part of what was known as the Panther 21. And in April of 1969, she and a number of Black Panthers were arrested and charged with several counts of conspiracy to bomb police stations and public places across New York City. Now, the bail was set at $100,000 for each of the 21 suspects. The first thing to know is this. The Black Panthers didn't have that money. They could only bail out two people. And they was like, we have to bail out the two people who have the best feel to get us the rest of the money and the rest of the things we need to free people. So they actually bailed out Afini Shakur and Jamal Joseph. And they bailed her out specifically because she knew how to raise money. And she knew how to raise money because she knew how to write. So they bailed her out, yes, so that she could actually go and try to raise the bail money and to get the um, legal representation that they would actually need to defend themselves. Now, y'all, why was she at this time? This is all in New York happening between Harlem and the Bronx. So while she was out on bail and she was working um, to get them the things that they actually needed, she did meet another Black Panther Party member. This is an important part of the story, William Garland, and she became pregnant. So she then became pregnant while she was out on bail, pregnant with Tupac Shakur. And she was able to raise enough money so that people could get legal defense. But she had been reading Morgan and educating herself. And she had read Fidel Castro's four-hour courtroom speech, which is titled, History Will Absolve Me. And she decided to represent her own self in court. So keep in mind now, she's pregnant with Tupac. She's facing 30 to 40 years in jail up against the state of New York. And she reads Fidel Castro's courtroom speech, history will absolve herself. And she said, I have a better chance at getting my own self out. And so the most powerful thing is that there was a member of the Black Panther Party movement, Morgan, and his name was Ralph White. 
And Afini Shakur had always suspected that he was an undercover police officer because every time they were trying to organize, he would be trying to incite violence and move it from their coordinated efforts to violent efforts. So she had him pegged as an undercover agent, y'all, who had infiltrated the party. And on the stand, in some real law and order stuff, Morgan, she cross-examined, she got him on the stand and she got him to admit that he was an undercover agent. And she got him to admit that he had actually been the one inciting violence and pushing them towards the charges that the people were trying to even say they were conspiring against. But really it was him planted by the police to actually frame them and get away with it. And she cross-examined him, examined him, law and ordered him and got and got them all acquitted. And I'm like, how okay, is this Okay, this is not? a serious moment, Vanessa, but do you remember when Martin came into the courtroom with his briefcase? That's the first thing I thought of. That episode of Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, come on, Afini. Come on, do the thing. I do. I do. That's hilarious. I do. That's hilarious. That's great. Okay, keep going. That's good. Yes. Why is this movie? Is that what you said? Let's write it. This exactly put a pin in it because her story needs to be written. It really put does. A pin in it. So Morgan, <laughs> she and the rest of the Panther 21s were acquitted in May 1971 after an eight month trial where she represented herself. Some of them did have representation. After that, she never formally returned to working for the Black Panther Party. And shortly after Tupac was born, but I didn't actually even know this. And I consider myself to know a lot of things about Tupac, y'all. She was 24, and when he was born, she named him Lasan Parrish Crook. He was born, if you know, June 1671, the day mama pushed me out of womb, told me to get paid. I love some Tupac, y'all. I could have <laughs> rapped more than not. But he was born Lasan Parrish Crook, Morgan. And it was the following year when he was one year old that she actually renamed him Tupac Amr Shakur, which means Shining Serpent. And Tupac was named after Tupac Amura, the indigenous insurgent leader of the rebellion. And it was a rebellion of the Incas against the Spanish in Peru. And so she waited till he was one year old. First, he was Lassane Parish Crook. And I was thinking in that one year, she must have got to know him. And she must have got to know yeah. him in that one year and said that I have to rename him after the rebellion of the Inca against the Spanish. And I have to rename him Shining Serpent. And I was like, that connection for her to the divine, because the naming matters. We know this. We live to the names of ourselves. So for Tupac to have that name, it was something she had to be sourcing from somewhere else that said, I see this king and I see what he's going to do. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yes, getting to know him and maybe being brave enough to follow in the calling of her lineage, you know, like sometimes I think yeah. it's hard to be brave to say, yeah. you know, to say we're going to do great things, that my progeny yeah. is going to do great things. You know what I mean? That like sometimes that's hard. But sometimes yeah. that's hard. And hard. so, you know, even when you have nothing and you name your children grand names for great for grand things like that is a bold statement of promise. <laughs> it's like an affirmation. So, yeah. hey. so right after Tupac was born, uh, Morgan, she actually married Matula Shakur. And Matula Shakur, if you guys, again, we can do an, another episode on this later, but he is currently still in the middle of serving a 60-year sentence for his role. And there's a movement, a free Matula movement, whether you agree or not, but there's a movement, which I agree with, a movement to free him. And they were married, but then, and she had a daughter. And so she has a daughter, Feku, and they were divorced shortly after. 
And after, and this is the story of so many Black women, Morgan, I was like, after she wrote on behalf of the Black Panther Party, after she defended herself in court, after she now has birthed two children by two different Black Panther Party members, she moves to Baltimore in 1984, and she falls onto welfare, hard times, and a drug abuse, a drug addiction that Tupac himself has written about. And I was just thinking, she was exhausted. She was tired. She was a young girl who from a young age, 15 years old, out on the streets, pulled herself out into this space and then defended herself in court and then had these two children by men who were then themselves in the movement. And so, you know, when you're in the movement, you're not at home necessarily. And she had these two children and she fell into this really sad part of her life. And Tupac, once they moved from Baltimore eventually to Marin County, which is in Northern California, and he left home because of it. Of course, they reconciled later and, and came to have a beautiful um, relationship. And she actually moved back to New York at the height of Tupac's career. She moved back to New York early 90s, started Narcotics Anonymous, and actually became clean ever since then. She ended up dying, which is important for this conversation and the work we do at Girl Trek, at 69 of cardiac failure, of heart failure, which is the number one killer of Black women. But before she died, Morgan, she sat down with Jasmine Guy, the actress, who they had a really close friendship because Jasmine Guy and Tupac also had a really close friendship. And Jasmine Guy, actually, I put the link in the email, wrote a biography that I listened to half of it on Audible. And it is really, really powerful. The way that she writes about Afini is she writes her about her as a Black woman who has conquered, who has overcome who was still present in this, she was, she only was a hundred pounds. She was a small woman. And she was like, the way you could see her as having clearly had been broken. She was like, you could see it in Athene, but then that she put herself back together again and shine so brightly is a story that I'm just so happy that we got a chance to um, tell today. It's so beautiful. I was, I was thinking about one of the Tupac movies that was made and they, I think they did make an effort to tell a part of her story, but it's so hard unless it's a feature film to tell the nuance of survival. Yeah. You understand what I mean? You either become the, the source of trauma for Tupac. You understand what I mean? Or you become a broken yeah. black woman from bad marriages. But really she was neither. She was much, you know, she's much more than both of those yeah. things. And so she really does deserve this episode and a hundred more to be able to understand and investigate and really interrogate the situation or the um, circumstances that made her have to suffer so. So am I. So am I. Jasmine Guy had written, wrote in the book, she said that when she, first of all, she said something when we're talking about even her, I'm just even putting this together in this conversation, we're talking about how Afini was connected to a divine source to know, to name Tupac. She, in that actual same song, uh, Crazy from the Machiavelli album, when he's rapping about his birthday, he says, I handed my mom in the keys to her house and I swear I've seen a peaceful smile on her face. I'm not rapping it the way he says it. But she actually describes it in the book as something different. Tupac gives her this first really big house in the suburbs of Georgia. And she said, I had to actually reorient myself, that's my words, but to the South being a welcoming place, this place that my bones was telling me was a place of the KKK and of lynchings, a place that ran me to New York. And she was like, so I had this big house. And she was like, but the knowing of me said, I don't know if this is a safe place. And for her to be able yeah. to say that, you know, I got this big mansion and this, and she's talking about Cobb County, Georgia, which is uh, extremely, it has been an extremely hostile place to Black people over its history. 
And she was just like, I, I felt something, you know, I feel something. And she was like, so I had to relearn. She was like, I just felt disoriented and had to relearn what it meant to be in this world and in the places that I had known as to be harmful, which I thought was really powerful. And then she said something else, Morgan, that for me could even be the ending of this conversation. It's, it's why Girl Trek is such a powerful solution. She said, Jasmine Guy was saying they were sitting on her porch and Jasmine Guy told her, wow, your life is fascinating. She was like, there's nothing fascinating about my life. She's like, it's the everyday, ordinary, extraordinary of Black women. And she said, I want to reach people who have big problems, people that look like they won't get through. And I was so like, she named this. She says, people that look like they won't get through. I want to talk to you about how you can get through garbage, just putting one foot in front of the other, which is Girl Trek's exact principle of this walking podcast. And she said, I want to talk about how you can survive without destroying yourself in the process. And that when you do survive, there is something left, some spirit left for the next day. And I just thought it was such a beautiful reflection. I hope that everyone who is walking with us and has been walking with us as we start week three of this journey together and that we learn these stories. I hope that you feel like you can get through whatever the garbage of your life is by putting one foot in front of the other, that we see you regardless of your circumstances, and that we hope that these walks actually give you some spirit um, for the next day like they give me. So that's all I have on uh, uh, Mama Afini. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for hopping in, Ebony, by the way. Um, and thank you for waiting for me, Vanessa. We're not waiting for yeah. me, both of <laughs> 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 Yeah, thank you for hopping in, Ebony. We knew you was coming. Yeah. Oh, I did. It's weird. Like, can I say something, Morgan? <laughs> no, no. This is, yeah. this, this is the truth. It is scary to be somebody's friend and colleague because professionally, I was like, I got to get this thing going. But personally, I'm like, where are my friends? Where is she at? Like, how do I get to her? Like, is she okay? Oh. So I actually was having those two thoughts in my head. And it was like, I was overpowered by the idea of like, where are you? Are you okay? Not like, how do we start the podcast? So thank you really, Ebony, for even suggesting you would come in because I was actually stuck in a place of like, I don't know what to do. I ain't going on this walk without my friends. So oh, it all worked I was out. in the health food store reading about echinacea. I'm like congested. I literally didn't know that the time changed. And then I... And then I saw you saying you couldn't get in on text. I was like, Lord, let me run outside. So um, I just appreciate it. I just didn't know. Um, okay. I, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. I, I, I didn't know any of this stuff about Afini Shakur. I only knew what I saw in the TV movie. And, you know, it's so powerful, Vanessa. And I was watching this comedian this morning who had been through, like, depressive episodes. And he went through a whole bunch of different healing practices. And he went to, like, a Hiawatha ceremony. If you don't know about it, it's like, uh, I don't know, something you take, like some, some indigenous medicine that you take in order to have like clarity about your life, let's say simply. But he's in this Hiawatha ceremony and he said he was scared that he was going to get all, all kinds of illusions about things. And then all of a sudden it came to him that he said, I would like to honor my mother for doing her best under very difficult circumstances. I would also like mm-hmm. to honor my child self for doing the same. This thought alone transformed me, is what he said. I wrote it down because I was like, if we could all say, mm. I would like to honor my mother for doing her best under very difficult circumstances. I would like to honor my child self for doing the same. That we can be transformed. Yeah. 
And I feel like Tupac was better than most at doing that, at honoring his mother for doing her best under very, very difficult circumstances. And then forgiving and honoring himself for doing the same as a child. Like, y'all, we need that level of healing. And we almost have to say that to ourselves to get our own transformation from our mother's pain, from our mother's pain. So I don't, I liked it when he said it, Vanessa, because it wasn't about forgiveness. It was about honor, which is different. Yeah. It's different. Mm -hmm. It's different. But it just reminds, and I didn't even know you were doing a CD today when I wrote it down this morning. And I was like, it's so appropriate. Let me just grab these notes. So if there's anybody out there that's holding on to something that happened with between you and your mother, I just want you to honor the difficult situation that she made it through. Maybe not even how she did it, but that she made it through. And then honor your childhood self and the fact that you made it through too. Mm-hmm. Again, let's, end, <laughs> let's end it right there I, I love that let's end it there it's really good this is one of my favorite songs it's one of my favorite Tupac songs I love the Machiavelli album thank God Morgan is okay thank God you stuck with us through this conversation thank God you have your two feet and we're walking bye everyone